Well, good morning, church. Good morning. We are so blessed to be able to be here today to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth as we come together. And uh, we want to especially greet you in the Lord if this is your first time at Grace or if you've just been visiting for a little while, we want to say hello and just encourage you to worship with us today. And uh, stop by the information kiosk out in the plaza area. Uh, there's some folks there to greet you, and uh, we have a gift for you this morning. So that's um, a wonderful opportunity for us to connect with you. And the most important thing we all want to remember, and especially those who may be visiting with us, that we are a Christ-centered church intent on proclaiming the glorious gospel of Christ and making disciples and sacrificially serving the Lord Jesus in all that we do in this place. So just to encourage you with that this morning, I want to especially uh, greet those who may be worshiping with us live stream this morning, and, uh, and we appreciate all of those who are with us in that way today. So I'm going to ask if you will stand with me now, and uh, we're going to be reading from Psalm 100, Psalm 100. Some of you don't have to read it, you just have it memorized, but we want to read Psalm 100 this morning. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So Lord, we thank you this morning that we can come before your throne, that we can boldly approach your throne and expect that you would receive us and hear us. And Lord, we ask this morning that as we worship you, that we might indeed worship you in spirit and truth, that we would ask that your spirit would lead us into all truth and that we would be a people who gladly receive that which you would have for us. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word and we pray that uh, you would speak to us even this day, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh 
Breath. 
you would, for the reading of God's inspired, holy, perfect word. We're in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be reading the first 10 verses. Ephesians chapter 1, the first 10 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespass, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. As we pray together today, we especially want to remember our missionaries, uh, Steve and Mayan Cad, who serve the Lord through media productions, through sword ministries, and they do that all through the East, and we just want to pray especially for them today. And also, uh, we want to be praying for our youth this morning, our uh, junior high and high school and uh, college career group. There are uh, somewhere between 167 and 80 uh, young people there, depending on who's counting, but there's a whole lot. And uh, we want to be praying especially for them this morning. And then just a reminder that we worship the Lord in many ways, including through our giving. And you can do that uh, online. Or of course, there's an um, offering box in the back also. So uh, let's keep these things in mind as we pray. Lord, we thank you for your glorious grace. We thank you for your love that you have lavished upon us every day and every moment of our lives, things that we see and we rejoice and things that we have no clue. And yet, Lord, you are in control of all things, for you have created all things for your purpose and your glory. And you hold us, Father, your people, your sheep, in the hollow of your hand. And you care for us with a love that we can never even begin to measure. And Lord, you and you alone are worthy of all of our praise. Lord, so we thank you for that. For you are a God of of power and glory and victory and majesty. And Lord, all that is in the heavens belong to you and all that is on the earth and our very lives, our very thoughts, our very hearts, our very souls belong to you, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the grace that uh, you've given to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. You've enabled us, Father, who were dead in our trespasses to come before you and be alive through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who took our place, who literally became sin for us, the one who knew no sins, that we might know the very righteousness of God. And Lord, we thank you for that glorious, marvelous truth in which we stand even today. And so, Lord, we pray that as we worship you today, that your spirit would lead us into all truth, that you would guide us and guard our thoughts and our minds, that we might hear and receive, that we might see and rejoice that which you have done for us. And recognize, Father, that anything that really ever could matter in this life that we could never accomplish, but through you and you alone, work in our hearts to transform us from glory to the glory into the very image of Christ that we might be a people, Lord, that walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
So, Lord, we ask now your hand upon us even this day as we worship you through the hearing of your word. May all that is said and done this day be pleasing in your sight in this place. And, Lord, we pray that also for those who are at uh, retreat this, uh, even this morning, Lord, for those in junior high and high school and college and career, may every single one, Lord, receive with great joy the blessings of your word and the power of your gospel. And may lives be transformed even this morning, Lord, as they hear your word. And those who love you, Lord, may they be strengthened. Those who don't know you, may they be transformed, Lord, by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We commit them to you and ask your hand upon them. And Lord, we pray for Steve and Mayan Cad, Lord, who serve you so faithful faithfully and so quietly, Lord, who receive very little in the way of recognition or praise of men, Lord, and yet, Lord, they do it for your praise and for your glory alone. And Lord, we just pray that you would bless them and uphold them and strengthen them and guide them and guard them and give them, Lord, wisdom in the use of that which you have entrusted to them through media to reach a world that knows you not. Lord, we commit them to you and ask your hand of blessing upon them. So, Lord, now as we continue our worship before you, may all that we say and do be a sweet-smelling savor before your throne, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Whom the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. Now my debt is paid. It is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the I think it's true that everyone longs for someone to say something good about them. Doesn't always happen, but everyone longs for it. Many businesses, you'll notice, uh, live and beg for good reviews. Uh, many people live and beg for loves and likes on social media networks and sites. Uh, many live and beg for whatever praise of man they can get. And that's just human nature, but... The question I want to ask today is, what do you say about God? What comes out of your mouth? What, what, what thoughts go through your mind and what comes out of your mouth about God and why? Now, some people ungratefully grumble and blame and question and even, even curse God. And some people gratefully praise and thank and bless God. 
And today we're going to focus on blessing the God who blesses. Ephesians 1.3, we're going to look at one verse. And, and the idea that we must speak well of God who blesses us. We must speak well of God. One of the best things you can do is speak well of God for what he has done in Christ for every believer. You need to speak well of God. So we're in Ephesians. We kicked it off last week. We're going to go verse by verse. And Ephesians is filled, just chock full of, of rich biblical teaching on free salvation accomplished by the triune God and received by faith alone. And it starts in the first two verses, reminding believers of their authority lies in God and who gave the word and, and they need to be united and, and live the truth. And, but then what he does is he focuses right away, verses 3 to 14, on the believer's identity, on the, on the church's identity in Christ, rooted in God's sovereign plan, his purposes in, in saving by the Son and sealing them in the Holy Spirit. So he dives right in on that, how the new creation is held together by the sovereign Messiah who reigns over all the powers that used to hold them captive. That they were held captive to pagan beliefs. They were held captive to idolatrous ways, just like many of you were held captive to idolatry and pagan beliefs and evil and sin. And, and all by God's glorious grace, he... He gives you a new life. That's, that's your reality in Christ if you're a Christian. So what Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 is, is a really long uh, but not disconnected stream of words. Sometimes we like to talk and just go on and on and on until someone stops us, and we might not be saying much. This is saying a lot. Verses 3 to 14 says like all there is to say about salvation and it's not a disconnected stream of consciousness kind of, of speaking. What it is, it's, it's a powerful oral presentation of a master teacher. And what would happen in those days is they would read this out loud, and it's, it's one long sentence in the Greek, 202 words in the Greek. Uh, it's one long sentence, and by the way, it's not the only long sentence in Ephesians. There are eight, okay? Um, but it's not the kind of long sense we would go like, oh, let me see how many words I can use just to do it. This is very purposeful. This was uh, obviously given by the Spirit of God. And someone would read it aloud, and then they would take pauses to breathe or as they were reading, reading. And pretty much that's where the periods and commas land in our English translations, about where people would pause to breathe or to, to kind of momentarily catch their... their their, uh, the attention of the readers. So uh, this is, uh, is huge. This Verses 3 to 14 is really huge, and it's, it's not a hymn. A lot of people think it's a song. It's a doxology. It's, it's a burst of praise. It's a, it's a praise to God. It's, it's most accurately a benediction, which is at the very beginning. Usually we have them at the end. This is at the beginning. The Greek text, uh, again, verses 3 to 14, one long sentence of 202 words, um, and it's about praising God, it's about uh, praying to Him, uh, not random thoughts, but pointing out uh, very purposefully the praiseworthy things that God has done for the believer in Christ. And, and this, is, this is not words for the sake of multiplying words, this is praising God for His supernatural plan. This is 
praising God for, for his work that is beyond description. This is the kind of way we should praise God. And I, I know if we're all honest, you know, how often does, does good things about God, uh, you know, roll around in our minds or come out of our mouths? You know, if you had to throw all your words that you used yesterday over here in a big heap over here, and some of you would be like, oh, it's like a pile of dirty clothes, you know, or they need to be burned. But how many would rise up in praise to God? How many of those words would last? How many of those words would be a, uh, a pleasing aroma to God? Or how much would, would just stink? So these are, are uh, deep, deep, beautiful words that God is giving us in these verses. We're going to look at the first verse today because it summarizes all of them. And it's been called, uh, this, the verses 3 to 14, it's been called a kaleidoscope of dazzling lights and shifting colors. It's been called the most monstrous conglomeration ever found in the Greek language. It is a prayer of jubilation. It is a generous utterance of praise to God. Paul is just heaping praise upon praise uh, to God. And, and what, you'll, what you'll notice is when you, when you start reading this, your first thought could be, if you're familiar with reading the Bible, is, well, wait a minute. Usually he starts by thanking God for the people. And here he flips it. He'll do that at the end of the chapter. But what he does first is he begins by praising God. So when he begins Ephesians, uh, you'd expect that he would start it like most of his letters with thanksgiving for the people he's writing to. But instead he begins by praising God, which is a great model for us. It's a great model for us. Twelve verses here, praising the glories of God's grace to us in Christ. Great model for our prayers, great model for our words uh, these are de delightfully descriptive words of God's purposes and plans and actions in Christ in one long sentence. An overflowing heaping of praise for what God has done. It should thrill our hearts. It should thrill our souls. It's praise after praise for God's glorious grace. How the Father eternally planned and perfectly executed this redemption for all of his chosen ones in his Son, sealed by the Spirit of God. And it is a wonderful way to, to speak well of God. You and I could, could, could learn from it. We could say, you know what? This is how I want to pray. This is how I want to praise God. Uh, I, I want to start today by praising God this way. Maybe that big heap of words that you, that you piled up over the last day or week or months or years, you know, might not be so, so redemptive, but, you know, you can change that today. You can start thinking and speaking differently by the grace of God. What this is, is how we should overflow in praise to God for his glorious grace. This is a call. This is a call to fill uh, your heart and your home, the household of God, and every, every bit of territory God sends you on a normal basis, on a regular basis, with praise to God. Some of you are like, whoa, I can't do that at my work. I can't do that at my school. Says who? God is to be praised by the believer in every place the believer goes and what Paul does is he starts with what should be our main focus God himself and he starts with God himself because God's glorious grace changes everything God is the reason for everything and verse 3 is the main sentence of verses 3 to 14 which kind of just summarizes the whole thing God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing and what he does in verses 4 to 14 is list them all out some people read verse 3 and go, wow, God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Whoa, let me go run out and uh, find them all. And they forget that they're right here in the text. 
And then people read the prayer at the end of this chapter, and they just, you know, divorce it from its context, and they're like, whoa, God is asking that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened and that we will understand what he's given us. I got to go find it. And they forget that he's praying for what he has just said. He's praying that their eyes will be open to these beautiful gospel truths. So you and I have this opportunity today to, to kind of start off on the right foot. I go, okay, we're going to first praise God. We're going to see what, is it, what does it mean to praise God like this and why? So blessed is God who blesses us in Christ is, is the idea. And, and it begins this way, blessed. Blessed be God. Now, m- most of us don't talk like that, right? We might say praise God, but blessed be God. Wow. Literally, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed. Blessed is giving a benediction. It's giving a word of praise. It's, it, it, we get our English word eulogy from it, and it, it's where you, you, know, you go to a, a funeral, and you, someone gets up, and, and they tell about the person's life, but what they do is they praise and bless the person who died. They don't rehearse all their, their issues. You know? They don't say, hey, by the way, Joe was a really bad guy. We all know it. You know? No, they, just, they find the things they can say good about the person. They eulogize. They, they speak well of the person, like you you. Uh, longing for people to speak well of you, you don't want to wait till you, you die, right? Because uh, <laughs> that would be kind of sad. Um, so, so say the good things now that you need to say. Bless your family. Bless your spouse. Bless your kids. Bless your friends. Bless your enemies. Let words of blessing come out of your mouth. Here, you start off with blessing to God. Blessed be God. Uh, may he be spoken well of. May he be spoken well of. This opening word, blessed, is a common way that the Jews would pray. It's say, they're saying, God is worthy to be blessed, worthy to be praised, worthy to be honored, worthy to be worshipped. So it starts this way. God is blessed, worthy to be praised. Uh, he's deserving of our appreciation. He's deserving of our honor. He's deserving of our praise. Now, what Paul is not doing is saying, well, I wish that people would praise God, or, or I, I hope that God will be blessed. What he's, de- he's declaring something. And what he's declaring is, blessed is God. You see it over and over in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's a declaration. It's not a hope. It's not a wish. It's, it's, a, it's a statement of fact. Blessed is God. It's a, it's a common way that, that Hebrews would pray and recite throughout the day, even by Jews in Paul's day. Blessed be. It was an ancient form of prayer in the Old Testament. You reach as far back as Genesis 9.23 and you see these words, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. And Genesis 14.20, Blessed be God most high. It's God is blessed. God is great. Genesis 24.31, Blessed be the Lord. We, we, he is bestowed or endowed with, 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 with greatness. And, and when people pray that way, what they're doing is they're pointing out something. They're saying, God cares for me. God has provided for me. God has responded to my prayers. God has delivered me from my enemies. God has delivered me from evil. But mostly when they pray like this, it's praying for who, about who God is. God, you're awesome. You're good. Like Mark prayed a few moments ago, you're, you're great. You're, you're holy. You're, you're loving. You're merciful. You're kind. Praying in, in praise to God for who he is. In the Old Testament, the covenant name of God, Yahweh, was often used in these prayers in, in reference to the bond between God and his covenant people. Blessed be the Lord God. Blessed be the Lord 
God of Israel who alone performs wonderful deeds, as the psalmist wrote. In 1 Kings 1, 48, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who granted that one from my line should sit on my throne. You even come to the final Old Testament revelation, just before the dawn of the new. And in Luke 1, 68, Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has had regard for and rendered redemption for his people. First century Jews would praise God three times a day, and they would they would end with, blessed are you, O Lord. So the opening words here, in verse 3, it's the same, the exact same words that you find in 2 Corinthians 1.3 and in 1 Peter 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God. Uh, he's going to be spoken well of. He's worthy of uh, blessing. I, I recommend God. I commend God. I praise the person and work of God. I am compelled to leave him good reviews. I'm going to give a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So this was nothing new. Just something very appropriate and often neglected. If we're honest, we don't do this enough. We don't, we don't just rehearse all the goodness of God. We don't, we don't speak out loud. We don't think in our hearts often. We're too worried about what we're worried about. And we don't think as often as, as we uh, ought to how great God is, how he is the one that, that makes sense of our life. And, and what happens is we read something like this and it sounds, it sounds foreign. God doesn't want this to be foreign to our minds or our lips. God wants this to be uh, our practice. To speak this way of God, to, to be compelled to do what is often neglected and, and to remember he doesn't need it. It's appropriate. We need him. It's fitting for us to declare our dependence on him. God forbid that we should declare our self-sufficiency. And when we praise the glories of God's grace in Christ, we are saying, Lord, we need you. We need everything you do. We want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, as Ephesians 4, 1 says. Well, we're going to say, blessed is God. I'm going to speak well of God who does good to me. You'll notice that the sentence reads this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very specific, not ambiguous. But some of you might go, whoa, whoa. Wait, the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Wait a minute, I thought the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent. Yes, they are. But saying God is the Father of, of our Lord Jesus, even the God of our Lord Jesus, brings out his humanity. That he is the one mediator between God and man. That he is known by his redemptive benefits that were lavished upon every believer in and through Christ. So when you say that God, is, uh, God the Father is the God of Jesus... Not to deny that the incarnate Son is God. He is God. But it expresses his true humanity. And, and through him, God is also our God and Father. And, and you think about it. The, the God of Israel, through the one mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, is now the God of all nations, Jew and Gentile alike. Israel, whose, whose were the covenants of promise. And the Gentiles were formerly far off. All all who believe can know and, and have access to the living God through Jesus Christ. We praise God for that. 
Ancient pagans were, were praising God for that. Pagans today who come to Christ are praising God for that and having their lives transformed. Ancient pagans that were living in Ephesus, they were used to hearing of the appearing of a God in human form. It was common in the literature. It was common in their religious festivals. Only problem is it never got delivered. It was like seeing Santa Claus. I think I saw Santa Claus, you know, or I think I saw Rudolph up in the sky because I saw, you know, a red light. I thought that when I was a kid. When the language of manifestation was used often, the appearance, the epiphany, if you will. Julius Caesar was, was honored as the manifest God. That's what they called him. Artemis Ephesia was called a goddess, an epiphany most manifest. They even made coins. Uh, you, the, the coins from Ephesus uh, depicted doorways in her temple where it was thought that, that she you know, like made a secret appearance during her festivals. Hey, I think I saw her. No, you didn't. Maybe it was a statue, but not a real person. And what the New Testament is clarifying is the truth that it is only the Son of God who made his appearance as a man in the flesh. And altogether different, gracious, and, and personal. And if you take that phrase, our Lord Jesus Christ, it means so much to believers. It signifies so much. If you're a believer today, it signifies your life in Christ. What does it mean? Like our Lord Jesus Christ, you just break down those, those four words. What does it mean? What does it signify? Well, first, it, it signifies that he has a personal relationship to us. Our Lord. Ours. And, and secondly, his preeminent position. He's Lord. It's the earliest confession of the church. Jesus is Lord. The Bible says you cannot proclaim Christ as Lord and acknowledge his lordship in your life unless you are born again by the Spirit of God, unless you have the Holy Spirit of God, unless you are a Christian, unless you are a believer, else you're just saying words in the air. It doesn't mean anything to you. He has a personal relationship to us. He is our Lord, and he is, he is preeminent in his position. He is the Lord, the earliest Christian confession, and it will go on forever. And he has a personal name, Jesus. And he has a preferred title, Christ. Quit using his name as a curse word. Use his name in praise. Christ, it's more than a name. He is the promised Messiah who would bring salvation to lost people. The promised Messiah that if you're a believer, he brought to, he, salvation he brought to you. He's worthy of praise because of who he is. So the first thing we see here is blessed is God. The second thing is, blessed is God who has blessed us in Christ. It gets very personal. We're to speak well of God because of what he, the good he does to us. Like, tell it like it is. You notice that it says, who has blessed us? It's in the past tense. He did it. It's calling attention to something God did. Something God did in the past. You're not still waiting for it. It's your reality. So many people are like, oh, Lord, please do this. And he's like, I already did. <laughs> Just enjoy it. <laughs> he has blessed us. He's bestowed upon us. He's, he's endowed us with his blessing. And it's rare. If you go into classical Greek, it was almost just rare to find a God blessing a human. Everyone, all the humans had to bless the God. It was always the other way around. But wonder of the gospel. 
that the God of the universe in Christ would lavish upon us such wonderful blessings, and he would lavish upon these blessings, lavish the blessings upon humans who mocked him, maligned him, and who made themselves and everybody else miserable. That God didn't just say, okay, now we're going to line you up, and uh, best to worst, I'd be in the back of the line. Some of you pushing the front of the line. Oh, no. There's no best to worst here. We're all the worst. He was, Jesus was dying for lost sinners. By the way, if you think, oh, Jesus saved me because I had so much to offer the church. Uh, Jesus saved me because I, I was so well behaved. You got to, like, you know, get over that, and God will crush your pride. The wonder of the gospel is that in Christ, God lavished good on humans who mocked him and made the world miserable. And the idea is that God has blessed us in Christ, granted us things that we could never deserve or earn. We deserved hell. And he gives us so much blessing. When you think about blessing and you think about the, just break it down of the idea of blessing, when, when God is the object of blessing, it has the idea of praising him. So blessed is God, praise him. But when a person is the object of God's blessing, it has the idea of giving something to them that they need, that they were lacking. Here it was, it was eternal life, forgiveness, uh, salvation. Um, and some of you are like, well, can I, can I just get rent money? <laughs> can I just have a new car? Can I just have a good relationship? You know, um, I would just say this. If you can trust God with your eternity, you can trust him with your temporal life. If you can trust God with these big things that are being spoken of in verses 3 to, to 14, you can, you can trust him with your temporary tomorrow. When you ask God, even, when you ask God to bless someone, you know what you're saying to him? You're saying to God, please do them good. I don't want to curse them. I don't want them to be exposed to destruction. And, and if you're blessed by God in Christ, it means he did good to you. He, he does eternal good to you. It doesn't end. It's like, well, he was good to you in the past, but... You know, not now because you've been bad. That's not the way it works. You're doing fuzzy math. You got it wrong. Your, your mind's playing tricks on you. If you're blessed by God, you have received good from God. You know, the first word of the Psalms, blessed. It points us to God the blesser. In the New Testament, you got blessed 42 times used in different ways. You've got uh, 13 times, like in the Old, in the Old Testament, the praising God is the object of praise. You got seven times people blessing or praising Jesus. You got eight times people blessing others, asking God to help them. You got five times people doing something totally new, blessing or desiring good to those who curse them. And then you've got Jesus blessing people, calling on God's power to bless them. But seven times you've got God as the subject who provides benefits. That's the context here. Praising God because he has blessed you. God provides benefits to believers. Good example, we just got out of Christmas, so it's a good example, is Mary. Mary was the object of God's gracious provision of being chosen to be the mother of Jesus. Believers are the objects of God's blessing and provision of, of benefits when he chooses to save us. He chooses to bless you. And, and then you bless God who has blessed you. That's why 
that's why God wants you, you know, today to say, wow, my words need to change. I need to say more things good about God in my head and in, in my, you know, my heart and, and in my home, my family, my, my, my roommates, whoever I live with. They need to hear, like, good things about God out of my mouth because I'm professing to know Jesus and, and my coworkers and my, my teammates and my, and my fellow students and, and everyone I'm involved with. At some point, they need to hear something good out of my mouth about God. Blessed be God who has blessed us and benefited us. But here's the amazing thing. What is given? Some people get all, you know, weird and say, oh, you know, God doesn't bless me and this, that, and the other. And, and it's like Ephesians 1, 3. What, is he, what has he done? What has he given you? Read it. Uh, look at the verse with me. Look at this verse. Put your eyes on the text. Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing. Wow. That's mass quantities. That's not a smidge. That's all. That's God benefits you with every blessing. And, and, and you might want to run out the door and go, I've got to find out what they are. Newsflash. They're in verses 4 to 14. Those are the spiritual blessings. They're, they're amazing. Every spiritual blessing. He sums them up in verses 4 to 14. And, and what kind of blessings are they? What kind of blessings are they? They are, just as the text tells us, spiritual. What's a spiritual blessing? Well, it means they are of the Spirit of God. Pneumatikos is the Greek word. It, it's a spiritual blessing. It's a blessing of the Spirit. The Spirit gives it. It, it connects to verse 13, speaking of, of the, focusing on the promised Holy Spirit. The sphere of blessings that the Christian receives are in the realm, they're related to the Spirit of God. This is very crucial, very important. You've got to grasp this. This, like in 1 Corinthians chapters 2 and 3, Paul is contrasting people who are saved and unsaved. He's using words, spiritual and natural. And he's saying the spiritual who have the Spirit of God versus the natural, contrast with the natural, who don't have the Spirit of God. The saved contrasted with the unsaved. And, and, he, and he's saying that the, those who have the Spirit or those who are spiritual, doesn't mean you're like all spiritual, like everyone looks at you and thinks you're great. It, it means that you have the Spirit of God and you're saved. You can discern truth. If you're not saved, you, you can't. Uh, if you're spiritual, if you have the Spirit of God, you receive the things of the Spirit of God. You receive the Word of God. You receive it gladly. You don't push it away. And the power of God transforms your life through Jesus Christ. You desire the things of the Spirit. You desire what pleases God. He's every spiritual blessing. You know, we always, we always want to know where things are sourced, right? Like, where'd they come from? Where were they made? We were at a store yesterday, and I saw a, a thing with a really good price, and it says, made in USA. I'm like, get a few of those. Get them for the kids, you know? Made in USA. If, I'm, if, I'm, if I want vanilla, I want it from Madagascar. If I want olive oil, I want it from Italy or Spain. All right? You want to know where things are sourced. Where are these spiritual blessings sourced? Where do they come from? Well, they're of the Spirit. They're, they're pertaining to God's Spirit. They're spiritual. They're supernaturally sourced in God versus sourced in you or me. 
They're not sourced in humans. We don't make this up. We don't, we don't generate it. We don't keep it going. It, it's, it's the blessings of God that he has lavished on his people are of the Spirit. Again, pneumatikos is from the Spirit. It's obtained by Christ for us. Think about it. Jesus, the last Adam, the life-giving Spirit from heaven, in the likeness of whose resurrection body believers will be conformed in resurrection to spiritual bodies, and the origin of all the blessings and their ultimate fulfillment is where? Look at the verse. In the heavenly places. Literally, in the high heavenlies. In the highest heavenlies. That's where they come from. What does that mean? It means it comes from God. You can't fly there. It comes from God. Where God dwells, it's synonymous with God. In the heavenly places, the heavenly realms, and, and, and you think about it, the things of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is linked. The Holy Spirit is your link to the new creation. The Holy Spirit is your link between this world and the new creation. His presence with you in your life is the ultimate blessing and the guarantee of future heavenly blessings. The Holy Spirit in Christians. So ha you having the Spirit of God now is a, is a reflection of future glory. That the spiritual blessings of God in Christ are in the high heavenlies. They're in the realm of the spirit and the world to come. You're getting foretastes of heaven even as you, you live now. And you go to verse 20 in this chapter. You'll notice it says that, when he, what, that he worked in Christ, his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Where? In the heavenly places, in the highest heavens, the realm of the spirit and the world to come. And, 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 and just like Hebrews 1.3, he has taken his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high. So if, think about this. If you're a believer today and you're, you're living on earth, and you are, if you're here right now, you are on earth. Yeah, I know it says seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That's positional. But right now, you're on earth. Okay, don't be delusional or anything like this. Uh, if, you're, if you're a believer on earth, you are enriched with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, and they're all necessary for your spiritual well-being. This is why you can pray. This is why you can open up your Bible and understand it. This is why you can share your faith in Christ. This is why you can do something good. This is why you can forgive someone. This is why you can show mercy. This is why you can be gracious, because you have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. Get used to that phrase. It's, it's very common in the Bible. Paul uses it a lot. It's 164 times you see the, the phrase in Christ or in the Lord in Paul's letters. But you are in Christ in Christ. <laughs> you are rooted in Christ. You are identified with Christ. And, and when you look at these verses that we're going to be diving into in coming weeks, and you look at 3 to 14, when you look at those verses, what you'll notice is they are relentlessly focused on Jesus Christ. They're relentlessly focused on what God has done in Jesus Christ. He chose us. He predestined us. He bestowed on us his love. He lavished his grace upon us. All due to what? Being in Christ. Being before Christ. Being uh, to the glory of his grace. Uh, with the promised Holy Spirit. To the praise of his glory. In every one of those phrases you see. Right, to the praise of his glory and in Christ. They are purposely written that way to stand out to the listeners. They're purposely written to, to stand out 
and to just stand tower above. If you're in Christ, you have intimate fellowship with Christ. You have union with Christ. You are incorporated in Christ. Think about when you got born, the day you were born. Popped out of your mom's tummy and they cut the umbilical cord and they said, well, it's a human. Identified with Adam. You, you were born and you were identified with the human race whose head is Adam. When Adam sinned, all people came under the tyranny of sin which brought death to all humans. This is the gospel truth. And Christ, who knew no sin, became human and took on the sins of human, of humans and died for the sins of humans to pay the penalty on behalf of humans to satisfy God's wrath so that he could show us his grace. And in the new birth, when you become a believer, all who believe in God's provision in Christ become united to the new head, the Lord Jesus Christ, the last Adam. You're in Christ. Your identity has changed. You don't always feel the same. But God says something good about you. And God frames your identity. God shapes your identity in Christ. It, you know, uh, the, the, the believer united with Christ, Christ who is in heaven and with us, partakes of the spiritual benefits from the heavenlies. That's where they're sourced. That was a new concept for any Ephesians who had been worshiping Artemis or the emperor. It's a new concept for all believers who come out of idolatrous paganism and self-dependent living. Because in Christ, you have freedom from slavery to sin and freedom from false gods. And you have the best slavery to a good master who does good to you, who does not demand of you, but leads you and guides you and protects you and provides for you who blesses you with every good and perfect gift. This is the God we serve. Let's just say that today you, you say, you know, all right, I'm convinced from hearing this verse, I need to declare God's praise much more than I do. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to start saying some words that flow from my heart. The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. What, what does that do? Let me just think about it for a moment with me. What does that do? When you declare God's praise, his praises, his glorious grace, what, what does it do? Well, the first thing it does is it reveals new life. Like, here's God's glorious grace on display, and we see it in the word, and we, we see it reflected in a, in a church full of changed lives that are in process, but changed by Jesus. And it's in the heavenly places, there's our position. And so we worship him because he provided what we did not have. And it, it, it just, it, it reveals new life in us. And so you say, I'm going to offer what I can. I'm going I'm to thank God. I'm going to have a grateful heart. I'm not going to be a malcontent. I'm going to be amazed. I'm going to be amazed. Who, who gets amazed at the grace of God? People that are reborn. People that are regenerated. People who have been chosen by God. It's like Ezekiel 36, speaking of what God would do in the new creation. I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put in you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and obey 
my rules. I want to do what God says. If you're that way, then you keep praising God. It's going to reveal new life. It's going to give you assurance of salvation. People are going to go, that looks and talks like a believer. And what it does is it amazes you. Like, you get to the point where you're like, just waking up in the morning amazes you. That God preserved you and is sustaining you in life and and all the unanswerable occurrences of life. You're like, only God could have orchestrated that. And you give God credit for doing something. It's like when Jesus made the deaf to hear and the mute to speak, first thing they did. When someone was able to speak, they spoke well of him. They spoke well of his salvation. And when you, when you, when you get to the point and you go, you know what, I'm going to speak well of God. I'm going to choose to do it. I'm going to speak well of God because of what he has done for me in Christ. You aren't giving him something he doesn't already have. You are reflecting his glory like a, like a star reflects the sun. And you, the creature, are praising your creator. And it's the most appropriate thing you were made to do. You're praising his glorious grace. And when God blesses you in Christ, he is giving a lost, poor, destitute sinner what he didn't have and could not have and will not have unless God provides it. And he is doing the most gracious thing. And what he intends to do, independent of you, for your joy, for his glory, and you declare God's praises, it, it reveals new life. But it also, it fosters your growth in Christ as you're wanting to follow Jesus. Thomas Watson said it this way, praise is a soul in flower, like blooming, a soul blooming, praise is a soul in flower. Like, don't be like the farmer who you know, told his wife on their wedding day, hey, I love you, and if anything changes, I'll tell you. I'm not going to tell you again. But no, a believer notices and mentions to God and others morning and evening and noontime blessings as they see them. So you would let it affect your entire life that, you know, I guarantee you one thing. You're going to leave this room or leave wherever you're at right now if you're on the live stream, and you're, gonna, you're going to not like something that happens. You're, you're not going to like something that happens, and, and you're, you're not going to like it when things don't go your way. You're just not going to like it, and you're going to be tempted. You're going to say a lot of things, and, and, you're, and you have to realize something. If you're a Christian, God oftentimes puts his best gifts in painful packages, and, and it's so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And he grants us repentance, and he grants us correction and exhortation, and, and then we go, wow, God is so good. Praise God. I want to give everything to him. Uh, even in the group dynamics of my relationships, I want to speak well of God, and I want to serve him with my life. And, and I, there's, a, there's a song lyric that I really like, and I remember it somewhat often, actually, and it's, uh, it goes like this. We cannot have all things to please us, no matter how we try. Until we've all gone to Jesus, we can only wonder why. How many Christians, how many, how many among us right now are saying, I don't get it. I can't make heads or tails of it. But I know what God has done. So I, I have seen it to be true. Praising God can help you not worry so much. And praising God can help you not be so weighed down by your sins. And praising God can help you not be so heavy laden with doubt. Just try it. You are the worst of sinners, but you serve a perfect Savior. 
If you declare God's praises, it reveals new life in you and fosters your growth. But one more thing, it shapes your witness for Christ. Uh, Jesus said, you can be my witnesses. You're going to speak for me. You're going to speak well of him and praise him and honor him and love the Lord. And it's interesting, people like Job said things like this, though he slay me, I will praise him. And in Habakkuk we read, though the fig tree should not blossom nor the fruit not be on the vines and produce of the olive fail and the yield, fields yield no food, the flock cut off from the field and from the fold and that there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. In 2 Chronicles 20, we read that they were going up against their enemies and God basically told them, you sing and praise me and he routed their enemies. You look in Acts 16 and, and there's the apostles praising God at, at around midnight and they were in jail and they're just praising him and, and, and the earthquake happens and the, the jailer was going to kill himself because he thought he was going to lose all of his prisoners and, and they said, no, we're staying. And the guy you know, falls down and says, how, what must I do to be saved? And this must be a great God you serve. I mean, if you're there today and you're like, how mu- what must I do to be saved? You're, you've got enough info already. And what they told him is, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You know, it's interesting, um, isn't it not true that we, we often look sideways at actors and, and athletes when they acknowledge God? Like after a game or what have you, or after a performance or, or getting a, an award. And we look, uh, if I'm honest, I will, I've often looked with disdain upon certain people. Like, well, they're praising God, but, you know, I think they're insincere. If we're honest, we think that a lot. Or we make heroes out of them. Wow, they talked about Jesus on ESPN or whatever. It's like, as if that's supposed to be crazy to do? Mm -hmm. And all the while, we stay silent. We talk about somebody else doing something, and God didn't tend for his his witnesses to stay silent. Uh, You must speak the truth about Jesus if you know Jesus. And I guess I would just ask you, what are you doing in your little corner of the world? What are people hearing? Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a follower of Jesus? Could you be identified as a, as a disciple of Christ? Praise is due him. Gifts have been given. God has given believers every spiritual benefit in Christ. And we need to enjoy those, those gifts. It's common for guys like me to stand up and preach things like this. You know, I said something like this last week. Chapters 1 to 3 are the big theological ideas, and chapters 4 to 6 are all the practical things. And, and it's, it's true, but, but let me spin it a little differently. Chapters 1 to 3 are big ideas, macro ideas, general ideas, very theological, but also practical. And chapters 4 to 6 are specific micro-applicational ideas, but it is all to be personally experienced and appropriated. Let me give you an example, a biblical example, God's promise to Joshua. He told him, in every place your foot lands, I've already given it to you. It was about God's promises to Moses. But it wasn't a reality till he, he put his foot down. Would it have been odd if Joshua said, oh Lord, please give me the land? God's like, ah, I already gave it to you, you go. <laughs> uh, it's odd for believers to ask for the benefits given. Uh, the reason they didn't get into the land and obtain it, AI is Joshua 7 tells it was due to sin in the camp, not because they didn't pray for it. Um, the first time Joshua prayed was after the defeat at AI. God told him, deal with the sin that's in the camp that caused your defeat. 
But what happens is we don't often enjoy these spiritual benefits that we will be looking at in verses 4 to 14. And I think the unenjoyed spiritual benefits is not because God is stingy or not because he's telling us you have to beg for them. It's because we are not enjoying by faith what God has already given. And we need to. The problem is not with God. It's with you and me. He has given every spiritual blessing for your spiritual well-being for all time. And you experience them now and willfully one day. So what you need to do is, if you're a Christian, enjoy the kingdom of God now and you will fully enjoy it in the future because of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Spirit of God, the down payment of, or first fruits, uh, you're sealed. And what you have now is like what you will have in the future. And it's the first part of the reality. You enjoy part of the future now. Uh, you're transformed in Christ, but progressively being conformed to Christ in process, but one day fully transformed in the presence of God. And the best thing you can do until then, speak well of God. God intends for all believers to believe and speak well of the things he has done in Christ. Speak well of the great things he has done in choosing and predestining and adopting and redeeming and forgiving and sealing your eternal destiny. I mean, who wouldn't want to speak well of those acts? Only those who do not believe them. Only those who want to deny them. Only those who do not value them. You need what, what the prayer at the end of the chapter says. You need God to open the eyes of your heart to see these beautiful realities, exactly what he prays for at the end of the chapter. Speak well of the God who blesses you. He'll be doing it forever. And Lord, we thank you and praise you uh, that, that this is how the Bible and following Jesus and the hope of the gospel can make a difference in our life today as we acknowledge the blessings you have given us in Christ. Lord, by your grace, could you please fill our hearts and homes and your household and even this community and, and the end, to the ends of the earth with appropriate praise to you. May, may we, in your strength, flood the world with praise-filled people who speak well of you. May we flood our territory with good reviews of you, even as we uh, impatiently wait for eternity together. We praise you, we love you. And as we come to your table now, this table of your praise, this table that reminds us of blood flowed, uh, spilled uh, for our, our salvation and the life of the world, we want to thank you for loving us, thank you for saving and sanctifying, and Lord, may our souls uh, literally bloom with praise. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So we come to the Lord's table. Got a little packet there with some bread and some drink there. And uh, this is for believers to rejoice in Christ and the family of God to do together. It is um, something that Jesus gave us on the night before he went to the cross. And it was to remember his sacrifice in our place. Paul said, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. That's a way to praise God. Lord Jesus, you died for me. Lord Jesus, you died for my sins. You, you paid the penalty. You gave me new life. I believe in you. I love you. I want to serve you. I want to worship you. This is what we're saying when we come to this table. And Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. He's in place of you. I, I, I was your substitute. I took what you deserve so that you could have 
eternal life and be blessed in him, in Christ. And Jesus said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember Jesus. Jesus also took the cup likewise and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Such a simple practice just to remind us together of new life in Christ. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, by your grace, we come humbly to this table today to acknowledge that we are not our own. We've been bought with a price, and we want to glorify you in this life. We thank you for dying for our sins and rising from the dead. You reign now, and you're returning. Until that moment, Lord, may we be found with your praises on our lips. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.